Inside the Apodcalypse with Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's John. Hello. And James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker. What celebrities have zero haters? Um, RJ, the host of Better Buddies. <gasps> RJ, the host of Better Buddies, yeah. I didn't know I didn't have haters. As far as I know, you don't. Yeah, I know a I don't celebrity, know. but... <laughs> I haven't heard of any. I've been in the pictures. I've been the, the, the silver screen. Pencil Town. Um, I don't, does anybody don't hate Jack Black? Um, I'm sure somebody does. Not many people. There's people who I'm sure like... He's one of the people where I feel like he should have had... Because if you think about it, he had a stretch in the early to mid-2000s where he was kind of everywhere, right? Yeah. He was like School Rock, Tenacious D, Kung Fu Panda, Nacho Libre... He was in a bunch of other like uh, comedy movies too, um, and I feel like he should have been someone that people got like sick of, and maybe they did. We didn't realize it because we were like kids when he was kind of really hitting a stride. But I feel like he's definitely someone where I don't really think of him as having haters, and he's been around like in the industry now for like forty years. I so. don't know why, and I don't think this actually is the turning point but for whatever reason. The turning point on Jack Black being everywhere for me was when he was in Gulliver's, Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think you're right. A modern retelling of Gulliver's Travels is just not something I ever looked for or wanted. And take that, and then on top of it being a modern thing, also have it be the, like, ah, uh, it's schlubby Jack Black who's a total nerd and is has self-image conscious self-conscious issues so he's hyping himself up and stealing like pop culture quotes and talking about star wars to the little puddins who don't know shit about the modern world it's kind of like all right i get it i get what they're trying to do but i just i don't think people really like that yeah i guess it's only the i didn't is i never saw this movie was it only the first part of gulver's travels I'm pretty like, sure. just the part where he visits Lilliput. I only remember that part from the trailers and, like, clips I've seen. Okay. Oh, he was in Shark Tale, too. I forgot oh, about was that. He? Oh, boy. Yeah, he was the shark. He was the, like, the shark who helps Will Smith's character out. Um, like, the shark who doesn't agree with the Martin Scorsese shark or the other famous monster shark about... These are <laughs> new sentences to me. Yeah, or no, Martin Scorsese isn't a shark. Martin Scorsese is Will Smith's boss at the car wash. <laughs> oh my god. Technically the whale wash. I totally forgot about that. I never saw um, that movie. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. I have a very vivid memory of seeing it in theaters. I had the, I had the Game Boy Advance game. I used to play on my Game Boy Advance SP all the time. Um, But yeah, Jack Black was in it. Uh shark tail oh my god dude. Uh, that is crazy will smith robert de niro renee zellweger angelina jolie jack black 
Martin Scorsese. It's actually hate Tom uh, Hanks. Uh, hate Tom Hanks. He went through like a little thing with like COVID, but not really. Nothing. Yeah. Again, I assume some people do. I think Probably kind not of the majority, but yeah, everyone think, is haters. I think it's hard to to hate him like overall because I'm assuming by haters we mean like. Dwayne the Rock level, or like, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of like other, like, Will, like, Will Smith with the Oscar slap thing going on, where it's like people are on both yeah. sides of this thing very clearly. Yeah, I saw that live. I was like, wait, what? What did I just? See? I wasn't there, of course, but they John didn't was away in time. John, if you actually see in the in the shot. In the shot that they don't have, like in the in the real shot, um, because you know, in you know, cameras at the Oscars film in a different aspect ratio, they have to cut it down for the American television. So the in the original shot, um, during Chris Rock Chris Rock's joke, John is actually whispering to Will Smith off camera. You can just see him lean in and say, "I think he's talking shit, dude. He's talking shit so hard on you right now." Are you gonna let you that slide, fucking, bro? Yeah, you gonna let that slide, dude? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. See so, what, what everybody else didn't realize is that James was actually under the stage feeding Chris Rock his lines. Yes, I was. I was actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm actually. I've been ghostwriting Chris Rock's jokes, all of his jokes, for the past thirty years. I've come up with some of the most incisive black comedy myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's me, the Irish, once again <laughs> behind every piece of culture. Um, a piece of culture in the world built that, by an Irishman. Sunk by an Englishman. <laughs> hey, I mean, the Nordics hey. had rap battles before it was cool, so... Yeah, this is true. Wait, is it? I actually, I don't uh, know why I agree Actually, to that. legitimately, Viking culture had flighting, which was... They, you would make rhymes in like, like your opponent had to match your stanza and cadence and like rhyme scheme, and you would insult each other until one admitted defeat. Damn, dude, that's so sick. It was functionally a rap like, battle. Did they do you think they ever did like an epic rap battle of history where they dressed up like people from like different like Norse no, uh, I don't sagas? Think the Vikings did that. And they wrapped against each other because that would be awesome. Actually, that would be pretty <laughs> sick. <laughs> I would, I would love that. That'd be, that'd be great performance art. Um, um, but celebrities with no haters. I mean, uh, I can't think of too many more. I mean, I feel like David Harbor doesn't really have any. I uh, know he's know? got haters. You think for real, dude? Yeah. Considering what happened to the um, Hellboy reboot. Oh shit! Yeah, I guess. I think people uh, really love Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. They do. <laughs> they both. It's a very even-handed understanding of a very simple and non-nuanced relationship between two adult human beings. This is each comedy. Other as such. This yes. is comedy. <laughs> Deeply intensive dry wit comedy. That was a joke. <laughs> that was what? A... no, no. No. I'm incapable of telling jokes. Yeah, I actually my religion forbids me from humor. Mm -hmm. So these are everything also I say is jokes. real. My religion is not a joke. 
We're getting All live right. disclaimers. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to get a little Monty Python on it. Um Well, okay, I know this is like this is like a complete uh uh digression, but I do wanna ask really quick before we get too deep in anything. Speaking of celebrities with no haters and maybe special things with no haters, hopefully you guys had no haters on your Thanksgiving. Which how were both your Thanksgivings? Mine was uh, fine. Both haters, unfortunately. Full of haters. That's pretty cool. That sounds like a classic American Thanksgiving. If the internet is telling the truth, right? <laughs> well, you know, no. we we had to follow American tradition of invade someone oh, no. else's land. And uh, this is a joke. Take all the resources. <laughs> so no, this is not a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm the person this who tells is... you if j- things are jokes or not. Did I say it was a joke? Yeah, I suppose he's... not, Mister Hostman. I'm sorry. <laughs> a little so red dot just my appeared family, out of nowhere. On my family led a small excursion into Canada. We took over a Tim Hortons, and oh, uh, we were good. left with all their donuts. Wait, are you serious? No, fuck no. Oh, damn, I I'm was really hoping that for some reason you had like an ancient family tradition where you you win into canada and like went to a tim hortons for some reason no really the pastries yes that's like a we're reappropriating yeah that's what would make it so special and unique that's a good family comedy i can see that being yeah, filmed the Mitchells versus the machines but yeah instead of stopping the robot apocalypse you just go steal donuts from a canadian coffee shop yeah, it's basically yeah, it's like the same, the same movie. You can make you can work in cocktail but for a technology there too, I'm Did sure. Did anybody watch we, Mitchell's versus the Machines? No, I, I heard it was really good though, actually. I heard it was good. I, I liked it. Okay. That was one of those ones oh. that like it got repackaged in a new name. And by that point I was kinda like, I it's a thing. I know how this is gonna work. I don't need to see it. What do you mean it got repackaged in a new name? Well, because originally it was supposed to premiere like as a full-on movie, and then it got dropped and picked up by Netflix. Ah, okay. I see. Okay. It got, like, renamed. Interesting. See, this is just a cautionary tale for all you listeners. Don't let the hype get to you. Don't yeah, look no. at anything before it comes out, because your yeah. expectations will never match reality. Just yeah. happen upon it years after it came out and be happy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Watch it later. Watch it when like all the cultural context has been removed. Um, then you can make your own that context. Is, yeah, that is not a joke. They're genuinely do that. Arjun didn't say it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm stepping out of the line here. Hey, come on. Let me do my hostly so duties. Deep. I'm sorry. That was a joke. James is, not, in fact, not sorry. Uh, so confused. Damn, he knows everything. <laughs> he can read minds and censor jokes. James, oh my stop god! Thinking of that. Oh, Man, we're going we're gonna have to title this episode 1984 at this rate. Jeez. You guys, <laughs> you can't stop me. Forget you big will brother, try. Big podcast host. Oh god. <laughs> oh fuck. The dystopia that we none of us want, but we all deserve. <laughs> Can you? I think that might be the most mundane, banal dystopia. Is just you have to listen to podcasts. That's what makes it so horrifying. You have you to know? listen to and or make a podcast. 
That's no, you it. You have to do both. Actually, you just have to listen. Making one is up to you. That is the one freedom that remains to you. The option to make a podcast. Oh yes. my god, what a fucking bleak world. <laughs> <laughs> Are you... Everyone has their assigned job. Everyone has their assigned podcast that they have to listen to. Yes, Everyone has their yes. time all blocked out. Their assigned meals. Oh, but fuck. During, during the hour and a half you have a week of free time, you could choose to make a podcast. Between yeah. listening to your other podcasts. If you, if you choose to make a podcast, you get a special voucher to exclude you from the mandatory listening hour. Yeah, instead of, uh, instead of what, like, when he's doing his exercises in front of the video screen, it's just, like, playing, like, uh, the Barstool podcast, or, and, like... Uh, uh, the, the title of this, this cautionary tale, Apodcalypse. Apodcalypse. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> a very title that sounds like it was generated by an AI. It's, it's a <laughs> oh, modern dystopia. Yeah, the I podcasts can see, are actually AI generated. I can see the AI generated like Pixar style poster for it now. <laughs> I can just see it. Did you see um, any of those fake Pixar posters that yeah, got banned? I saw a bad. bunch for I saw a bunch for Hitler. <laughs> that was really funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did see some for like 9-11. I saw others for things that I cannot repeat on this show um, and would not want to repeat in mixed that's, company. That's Patreon content. That yeah. is Patreon content where we so we we rate on <laughs> Yeah, if, if you pay for our Patreon, yeah. we will put we will upload all of the pictures into the post and then rank and rate how well we think each one yeah. conveys the subject matter. It's going to be a tier list for the most offensive, like Pixar AI generated uh, Disney posters. <laughs> we'll we'll give sound, accurate, possibly highly personal reasoning as to why for each one. <laughs> and you know, it's not a joke because I didn't tell you. Yeah, exactly. It's a promise, ladies and gentlemen. For it's legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> for legal reasons, it's all a bit in Minecraft, and uh, we don't mean any of it. Right, but for... there's no legal problems here. Yeah, I, exactly. Well, I don't want to do it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's not a legal reason. That's true. John's just setting himself we, up for legal exclusion from having to do the we, bit. <laughs> no, if we've learned anything, it's that the law in this country triumphs your personal preferences every single time, John. So not if I'm a corporation. That's true, corporations oh, are people. Fuck you. Well, fuck you, mister. I don't have to write the laws, I just have to buy them. But guess what? That's not <laughs> what George Washington won in this country, okay? All right? We don't know what so George you Washington do what the won in this says, country because he's dead. <laughs> we can ask Maybe him. Maybe if George Washington AI... hadn't been weak and had survived we make... the 2010s, he'd been able to tell us. We can make an AI-generated podcast. We can make an AI-generated podcast where we ask George Washington what he thinks. And then, oh, no. then we'll know. And then oh, we'll no. have the power. That's right. Crossing Delawires. Right. <laughs> See, that one I like. That one's good. I like that. Oh, uh, there's a concept there. What, talking to George Washington? Yeah, and calling it crossing the, constant, or crossing the Delaware. 
I do like that's, crossing the Delaware. That's, our, that's, our other, that's one of our Patreon projects. Is it's a, it's part of our audio sketches. Oh, oh no! That's actually that's not a bad idea. Possibly for a show is to try and uh, try out new. Is there even a way that you can facilitate conversation with an AI? I guess oh, yeah. like in real time. I guess maybe. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, you can just do speech to text. Run that through something like ChatGPT, and then do text to speech. So you're Back telling out. me I could make my dreams of sketch comedy but in an audio medium a reality? You're telling me. Um, I guarantee, me. I don't guarantee any level of quality out of the AI output, but yes, you So you yes, understand you sketch could. comedy? Um, no. <laughs> but, like, uh, this guy on YouTube, Pulled Bullet, uh, has done an AI-generated Rick and Morty 24-7 livestream. Oh my god. Are you serious? For a while. I don't know if it was 24-7, but he's done multiple live streams of AI-generated Rick and Morty episodes. <laughs> what has so You're telling me rot. we don't need Rick and Morty, we have Rick and Morty at home. Yeah. Yeah, but Rick and Morty at home is, is uh, Better. you know, Rick and Morty at home, <laughs> is what I would say. I mean, I guess it depends what you can get it to say. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, you can totally do um, AI text and then text to speech using a voice. So we could have George Washington guest on the podcast. Yeah. We really could, actually. Just tell Chat GPT to be George Washington. I mean, pretend you're George Washington. Yeah, pretend you're George Washington. What do you think? Would you be proud of me? <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah. James, I wouldn't be. Oh. You haven't crossed oh. the Delaware, you don't have wooden teeth, and you didn't beat the shit out of a British. Oh, so if I do all that, you'll be proud of me. No. Oh, You're an American. Fuck. I gotta make, I gotta make myself proud. I've seen what this proud. country's become. It's a shithole. I don't think, I think it's alright. I mean, I think... I'm George uh, Washington. Back in my day, men blanket. worked for a living. What the fuck yeah, do you do just well, sitting around writing and talking? I mean, Reminds I mean, me of those the, dipshits that started the Constitution. Yeah, right? Wasn't that the dream? Also, didn't, like, you know, peasants in the 1700s have, like, 150 days off work? Like, oh, not even counting like their weekends. So, who's really doing a lot more work, all right? It's a lot of work to move things around in Excel and occasionally answer an email door, right? <laughs> do you even know how to fire a gun? I do, because I'm George I Washington. I conscripted homeless people into my military. You also had fucking donkey teeth in your head, dude. <laughs> yeah, because human teeth weren't good enough. My bite was too strong. He had to go farther beyond. I, we, I have to go more. I have to be... I need more teeth. More. <laughs> more than man. Listen Shoving here, Dr. Man. Teeth. Human teeth aren't enough. I need more teeth. We can make him stronger. We have the teeth to rebuild. We have the teeth. Oh my god, that's like a bucket of teeth. Where did you get that shit? Donkeys. Several donkeys. Several donkeys. They were donated. Unwillingly. (laughs) Involuntary donkey teeth. New band name. Involuntary donkey teeth is pretty good. This episode has gone off the rail. <laughs> their their debut album, Ass Face. Um, 
Uh, yeah. The number one hit song. Uh, Ash Chompers. <laughs> Ash Chompers. That's a... These have been jokes. <laughs> no, we're going to form involuntary donkey teeth. Number one hit song, Get the Fuck Out of My Room. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my room. Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> I always, that's like my go-to. That's like my well for like the, the. I just imagine all the bands that we come up with as like, like early 2000s, like pop punk bands who just scream about their parents um in that voice because i but just it's think it's so be, funny it's gotta be that pop punk where like they haven't actually lived through that hard of times yeah i know that's what i'm saying it's yeah. like that's what makes it funnier is like they're like suburban kids playing guitars like screaming about their parents getting out of their room while they're you wearing brought like me you know, the wrong rich bits <laughs> 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 you you say that and then it's just like three minutes of screaming. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no more lyrics. <laughs> like they clearly can't really play the instruments very well. <laughs> okay, that's our that's our next Patreon project. That's it. We have so yeah. many Patreon products projects. I have so little Patreon. <laughs> So many ideas. We will do a Patreon project if somebody makes a list of it. We will, we will, it could be a Patreon project to make the list of all the Patreon projects that we need to do. There's gum. I feel like it's more of we'll start these Patreon projects if people donate to a Patreon. Yes, also yeah. that. Gum. And it's a chicken and an egg situation. It, gum, it, it port is. of potty. Unfortunately, the, uh, the, the egg in this situation has to come after the chicken of the podcast has gotten enough listeners to be worthwhile laying an egg. We just got to hit that critical mass. We you have know. not hit that critical mass. How close are we to that critical mass? It's so uncritical, it's at the bottom of the list. What? At least that means we don't have any haters if there's nothing critical to say. That's accurate. <laughs> we have no haters. Back. I have faith. Back to the beginning. Dude, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, like the minute people the like once this thing catches on, people are going to be so stoked because they're literally going to have like at this point, like four or five years of like all these all these episodes to list, you know, to go through. So question like, for you, James, as you're the TV yeah. expert in the room. Yeah, um, what's up? How many episodes does it take for a TV show to really catch on? Well, the South Park has on average. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> usually two seasons, which is about 40 episodes. So, at episode 213... <laughs> we're gonna, dude, we're gonna knock we're it. Four, eight, 12, 16, we're we're at still five, on season one. We're in season one, but we're at the yeah. equivalent of five TV seasons. Yeah, but that just means that, like, dude, it's like when somebody finds this, they're gonna go through, they're gonna... You know, they're going to develop that necessary parasocial attachment to our personalities and they're just going to want to going to want to find out everything. You know, they're going to love it. They're, like, imagine if you found like it, it's like when I go through South Park, it's like, man, I'm so happy that there are this many episodes. It's like you get to see uh, the life of the show. You know what I mean? And it's pretty cool. And this one won't end until we die. So take that South Park. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. Well, what Welcome do you mean? Uh -oh. You found your hill. 
Yeah. For legal reasons, that wasn't a promise. <laughs> For legal reasons, yeah, that wasn't a promise. More, more of a hope. For legal reasons, it also wasn't a joke. Yes, yeah. it wasn't a joke. It was purely a, a, a wishful statement of, of uh, non-cynicism, which may not always be as forthcoming for me as it should be, but it was one of those moments. Do we want to move on to our next segment? Let's do it, bro. Our next segment is Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Oh my god. Something <gasps> to recommend. Um, I do have something to recommend. Uh, what do you recommend? You might have, I recommend Napoleon. Oh, is that um, good? I, really? I saw Napoleon. I did. I saw it yesterday uh, with my roommate and my sister. <clears throat> Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do as much as I can to like I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to. Are really you really gonna try and not spoil French history? I mean, global history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so okay. Does so he win the I Battle was, of Waterloo in this one? Uh, yeah, he does. Actually, all of in fact, uh, right before the Duke of Wellington is about to charge him, all these portals open up behind Napoleon, and all the Napoleons uh, from across uh, the Napoleon Cinematic Universe come out. Napoleon Multiverse <laughs> and, of Madness. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah all can the, you all, imagine all the all the girl Napoleons pose uh, in a powerful stance before charging into face the Duke, and uh, it's great. It's it's very. Uh, it brought a tear to my eye, but um, I wish they would yeah. like at least make an alternate cut of the movie where that actually happens. <laughs> Napoleon Endgame. Napoleon Waterloo. <laughs> you just like show it at like one out of every 1,024 showings. So brilliant. <laughs> well, you either got the one with the special uh, Marvel Endgame twist, or you got the one where the theater was masked us with an LSD gas. We we lost the spreadsheet that said which ones were which, so we have no idea. Um, Plot twist: yeah. they were the same. Plot twist: <laughs> it was the same one. Uh, yes, a riddle so brilliant only Napoleon can tactically solve it. Um, so yeah, is it no, true, it was based on one person's description that I read online that the movie uh-huh. Napoleon is functionally the reason Napoleon Bonaparte was good at being a fighter, like general leader, was because he was being cucked. Yeah, kind of. They don't they don't paint a super actually so like it's really interesting because the movie is like two and a half hours and it feels like it just it, Napoleon's life was like a very full life and he did a lot and like the movie hits on basically the major points of what he did, but everything feels like cut down. And when you learn that the director's cut of this movie was like four and a half hours long, oh my it's God. like, oh shit, that makes sense. Yeah, like there are definitely scenes in this movie that feel very like chopped up and sort of like not um, full. But I will say uh, the actress who plays his wife, Josephine, is uh, fantastic. Uh Joaquin Phoenix's performance of Napoleon is actually awesome. Um, it feels a little scattershot, but I think that's more because of the acting and the, the pacing, uh, or the the editing, I should say, and the pacing of the um, of the movie than his performance. Like he's really magnetic to watch. Um, and uh, there's some like cool scenes of like battles and stuff like that. It's just like everything feels cut down. It feels more like a someone like made a. It's like a film version of skimming his Wikipedia article is like what I would say. So it's like, it's not entirely like, I would say it's worth going to see, 
don't go see it for like New York prices. Um, do not go and see it for New York prices, but go and see it for like regular cinema cinema prices. Um, What's the difference? It's a good question. Actually, I paid I, my ticket was twenty five dollars. Your ticket was twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was. Holy fuck! Yeah, it was. It was. It was expensive. Um, but we went to like kind of a small, not a smaller cinema, but there's this chain called uh, Angelica, which I'd recommend going to because it's actually really cool. There's like recliners and stuff. Like yeah, the I whole go to the Marcus Cinema recliners. for like seventeen bucks and get recliners too. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you're paying a premium for location, RJ, right? And I thought it you was expensive it. when my local theater went from seven to eight dollars. Oh boy, it's it's ex- it, it's exp- it's stupidly expensive. And I want I don't really think this movie is the type that's like, yeah, you've got to go see it in the best theater. Like, no, like there, the one major critique I will say is it doesn't feel like any one scene is really given time to breathe. It feels like the goal of the movie was basically to like get this movie made and out and shown to people. It's more of like a quick idea of a movie than it is like a fully realized, um, like biopic. Um, and I would say that knowing like, for instance, uh, there's a movie I would contrast with it called Amadeus, um, Mm. which is about Mozart, which is an excellent movie. Fantastic. Um, and a great telling of Mozart's life. Maybe not always the most historically accurate, but it's just a really beautifully made film. Now that film is like long too. I think it's between two and a half and three hours, but Mozart feels like a fleshed out character. Uh, the, the other main character in the movie, his rival Salieri feels fleshed out. Um, the relationship with his wife is like beautifully sketched and she does a great job in the movie too. Like it's a little simpler granted because like Mozart was just writing music and Napoleon was like fighting wars and like running a government and then getting exiled, coming back and then getting exiled again, blah, blah, blah. But like they still could have done maybe something a little bit deeper with this film. I would say go and see it. Cause it's just kind of cool. And people are probably going to be talking about it for a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I would, I would recommend Napoleon, honestly. Um, I would. Can I also give one sidecar recommendation? Because sure. it's like snuck in under my radar and I didn't expect it. I I stayed in with my roommate on Saturday and we watched a few movies. And one of the movies we watched was uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten oh, Rings. Oh, you finally saw Shang-Chi? I did. Uh, and I actually really, really, really liked it. I think it's like one of the most creative Marvel movies I have seen. Um, I thought like the fight sequences were really fun to watch. I thought the ending battle was like awesome. Like I was not expecting it to be like this movie out of like so steeped in like Chinese mythology and like kind of family history. Um, and it kind of was that. So I really loved it. I want to give a sidecar recommendation as that because like Napoleon is one of those movies where it's like you should go and see it because it's like. Uh, like it's a bigger movie. If people are going to be talking about it, there's probably going to be more stuff. Like it's going to be in the conversation. Um, Shang Chi. Like, also, who doesn't want to watch a... British soldiers get du- like dunked into a lake? Tell me about it, bro. That's the real. That's the American in you. But Shang Chi is a movie that I would actually not ironically. Uh, not, I'm not that I'm ironically recommending Napoleon, but I would uh, unironically recommend like Shang Chi. Like I, if you haven't seen it. If that's like the only Marvel movie you see, like I honestly don't think it's a bad move. Um, no, it's a good movie overall. 
And it's not yeah. like so sucked into the Marvel lore thing that like it can't just operate out on its own. It really felt like its own thing kind of culturally, and I would really like recommend it. But yeah, so Napoleon say, slash Shang-Chi. I, most, for me, like to keep on the Shang-Chi a little bit, uh, some actors I'm okay if they've got a one-stick thing, and some it really gets on my nerves. And Aquafina mm-hmm. gets on my nerves a little bit, where it's like, can you do any other character? Yeah, can you do I was surprised because she she came off as more honestly. She did. She had like more nuance than I was expecting, but obviously it was like it, it's really tough because she like I enjoyed watching her, but I agree she's she feels like kind of one note, and like the movie didn't feel like it knew whether or not to make her a love interest or a comedic side character so like they kind of did both with her and like i'm not gonna lie i don't some of her acting i find believable and like sincere other some of the other stuff i don't like i really just don't believe her so to be fair it really only solidified there was a a couple weeks back um i was I watched the beginning of a Chinese movie, uh, like Chinese or Chinese American, I don't remember which, but the entire thing, functionally most of it's in Chinese because it's about a Chinese family. Uh, the grandmother is sick and dying and they don't tell her because the minute you tell someone they have cancer, that's when they die. So they're all going over there under the guise of the wedding to be able to see her one last time. And Aquafina's in that too, but she's like, when that started and it was like, oh, Aquafina's playing a, the family fuck up who's doesn't ever shit together and is, makes dumb jokes. It was kind of like she was doing good in the film. And if I didn't know any of her other stuff overall, I would have liked her character more. But it was kind of like, OK, so you really only know how to play fuck ups, huh? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> she's I think she gets along because she like has a. She's got, you know, a very distinct voice and characterization. Um, and there aren't really a whole lot of, like, Asian-American women <clears throat> who are kind of doing her thing. Like, she kind of owns that kind of, like, slacker archetype. Uh, but, I mean, I agree. Like, I, I think she's, like, kind of fun to watch, but I do just feel sort of like, it's like, okay, like, kind of get it. But, um, oh, I didn't know she was a rapper, too. Very yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, de- decent, but I thought she played her, uh, her, her role well and, um, you know, in, in the movie and yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to do my recommendation next just to get it out of the way. I'm going to recommend the Expendables. Yeah. It was dumb. It was action. Oh, it was Sylvester yeah. Stallone. Those I got to see, awesome. I got to see <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and fuck, what's his name? Die Hard. Uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, all standing in a church together, as they very clearly were joking about how they were the three main action stars for a minute. <laughs> and uh, Schwarzenegger's like, "Ah, I'll, I'll let him take this one." It's like, "Oh, get it?" Because they had a rivalry for parts back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get out of here, Schwarzenegger. Um, but no, it was dumb. It was, it was very fun to watch. It was like background noise and like, just throw something on. 
Uh, I've got the second and third ones queued up and ready to go. Just haven't watched them yet. I did like uh, Jason Statham. I think it was Jason Statham's character. Like, goes to the basketball court and beats the shit out of, like, five people. And it's just like, man, you know, you can't do that. That's not how that works. Like, you should be arrested. (laughs) When was The Expendables made again? Twenty ten, uh, yeah. The second one came out in twenty twelve. The third one came out in twenty fourteen, and the fourth one is in production right now. I think. Uh, I thought well, it thank God. It may have released. Um, so you, you thought it worked? Oh yeah, it or came out it? in September twenty second. Oh, yeah. The Expendables worked, but again, you you're not going into the Expendables expecting high cinema. You're not watching yeah. a film. You're watching a movie. And it's all it is. They they're in the thing. They open on the mission. They kill the people. They have some car chases and boat chases and plane chases and guns shooting and explosions. Terry Crews is in it. What more do you need? I'm yeah, excited I'm for that, the, the sequels where eventually Harrison Ford comes in as a pilot. <laughs> I have uh, gained a new appreciation this year for watching movies just for the fun of it. Yeah. Uh, Expendables is fun. Just like turning off your brain and watching the movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Expendables is fun. Most of the Fast and Furious movies are fun. I gotta see those. I've only watched up to the sixth one so far, I think. uh... (laughs) Damn. Did they put a car on the moon yet? Was that in Fast Uh, 10? um... It might be. Elon Musk put a car in space, putting one on the moon within the realm of possibility. It just seems like one of those dumb things they do where they're like, we gotta drive across the moon, hit the ramp, and then use the gravitational lift to get back to Earth. I love that kind of stuff. I love, like, I love when a dumb movie gets so dumb that it's clearly, like, it's just so beyond the realm of anything, like, real, you know? Especially like that's one of my favorite parts of like a dumb action movie is like when they 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 do try to make it smart. They throw all the like jargon in there. You know what I mean? God, I, I just love think it when that happens. I'm just like, there's something about it that's so relieving in my brain where it's like, ah, like we finally crossed. We've crossed the final frontier, oh. the event horizon of stupidity. <laughs> like it's just, I'm not even you trying to be mean. It's that so get very nice. different reactions out of it because when it, whenever we hit, whenever I hit that event horizon, we're like. We gotta upload the data to the mainframe. I'm just like, you have no idea what any of those words mean, and you're saying them in the wrong order. I just, I just love it. I, I think it's so like, I don't know. There's something about this just so relieving and like nice. I guess I don't know. But yeah, The Expendables, Sylvester Stallone, big guys with big knives and big guns making big explosions. I was, I did, I was surprised the general in the Expendables was also, uh, I, I, when I first, when I was watching, I was like, I know him from somewhere. Who is that? Um, he's in the Gotham TV show as, um, Marconi. Oh, Maroni. Oh shit. Okay. You said the Gotham TV show for a second. I thought you meant the, um, the uh the movies 
I'm not, uh, I, I do not know that. David Zayas? Yeah. Like, because he, but in that one he plays an Italian gangster. And I was kind of like, okay, you've got range. I see this. <laughs> I see you. But yeah, that's my recommendation. Also, The Expendables spawned the excellent video game, The Expendabros, which is exactly what it should be, should always be, and should never have been anything else. Expendables. They took all the action heroes from every action hero franchise you've ever action heroed and put them into one video game. Oh my goodness. It's truly a blessing. Wait, what is this? It's a video game called The Expendabros. And the they, Bros. they put every single action hero they could possibly think of into a single video game under parody license because they all varied the names up to be under the name Bro in some way, shape, or form. Is it like a, like a Soul Calibur type thing, or what uh, is it? It's that? a side-scrolling pixelated shooter. <laughs> it's dumb. Soul Calibur. Oh, it's on Steam. Yeah, it's like 10 bucks on Steam or some shit. You have to go around the world, rescue the bros, and fight communism. Dude, that was basically America from 1945 to 1989. Where do you think it got its inspiration? That's amazing. It really is like Schwarzenegger, Cruz, Willis, Lundgren. It's just all of them. It's got the guys from um, fucking everything. It's got MacGyver. It's got Ripley from Alien. It's got goddamn Terminator. Judge Dredd. The goddamn Terminator, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby? John, what do you got? Bobby! Um, well, since we touched on it earlier, and apparently I never talked about it, uh, I'll recommend The Mitchells versus The Machines. <gasps> Yay! Alright. Um, Give us the clue. Give us the skinny. So, at its core, David Harbour's the dad in that, actually. I'm pretty sure. Um, but at, at its core, it's like about a, a girl growing up, going to college, leaving the house, you know, classic conflict with dad. He's trying, but in all the wrong ways, mm-hmm. um, they just don't really understand each other. And then in the background of all this, some Google tech bro accidentally enslaves the world with robots because he AI. Um, replaces his personal assistant. And she takes over the new generation of robots and then takes over the world. So, what started as one last family road trip before college turns into a quest to go across the country and free humanity. Um, so, it's just pretty fun, you know, uh, emotional and heartfelt. Question. Um, yeah. How do the Mitchells end up being the people that have to destroy the machines? I never really uh, figured that part out. Being so woefully inept that the robots can't capture them. Ah. Is, is it something like, is the, the, because the, the story mainly focuses on the young daughter, right? It's yeah. like, um, so is, I, I, I apologize if you already said, is it like, did she have a connection with technology? Is she like very into building computers or something, but her family is like resistant and that's why... Like, you know, this crisis is one that she's perfect to solve, or, like, what's the... Is there Uh, something like that? She's very creative. She's, like, a a big YouTube person. She wants to be a filmmaker, Um, right? Yeah, wants to be a filmmaker and whatnot. Her dad just does not get it. Um, And then, oh, yeah, um, another crux is their dog 
trips up the robots because it's like, is this a pig or a loaf of bread? And <laughs> it causes them to short circuit, That's which so becomes cute. a major plot point later. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I think that might be the reason why they weren't captured, actually. Um, but yeah, if you got two hours to kill, and if it's still on Netflix, I haven't checked in a while. It's, you know, fun, family-friendly movie. For John, it because sounds... he's a Dungeons and Daddies enjoyer, the dad from uh-huh. the tra- like the trailers, the dad gave me very much Daryl Wilson energy. Uh kind of, of. like very well meaning, but not has no clue or very little clue as to what it is he actually needs to do to build that connection. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, but it's like balanced by having the wife around too. Yeah, which doesn't really happen in Dungeons and Daddies. Fair. It sounds. It sounds weird, but I'm like I'm excited for. Like I say, like if I'm forced enough to have kids, like I feel like it'll be so fun maybe taking them to the movie theater or like you know, sitting down and watch like trying to find those like family friendly movies and like um I mean there's always gonna be duds and stuff like that. Like I've been seeing the the trailer for that, those like trolls movies. And if I like took my kids to see that, which I don't mean to sound like too elitist, but I don't think I ever would. Um and if you do, I, you're gonna have to watch it thirty times, James. Oh my yep. god, dude! No way. Or more. Um, but but like, imagine like you know taking your kids to see like the Mitchells versus the Machines, or you know you know you find it on Netflix and you hear about it, and you get to sit down and you watch this like awesome, like nice, family friendly, you know, movie with your kids, and like, uh, or even like imagine the people who went to Toy Story for the first time with their kids, and they were like you know whatever it's an animated movie like we'll see like just discovering this like gem that you also get to like be with your kids alongside i think that's like the real value of like movies like that it's like it's really an experience when you sit down and you watch a movie that's actually like good so you're saying Um, every single movie ever needs to hit all four quadrants no yes all movies for all audiences no well, I'm sure. Like, like, are there rough spots in Mitchell, the Mitchells versus the Machines, John? Or would you say it's a yeah. pretty I okay? Mean, no movie is perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, Except Toy Story, but continue. Uh, even Toy Story isn't perfect. I'm when sorry, was this animated? 1996. Yeah, yeah. What what would you say? Uh, what would you say? Like, I guess some. Um, if you have any critiques, like, what would you say the critiques of Mitchell's first machines would be? Um, James, you're requiring me to have critical thought. I'm uh, sorry. I, I know. <laughs> Didn't we just talk about just watching movies for fun? Watching movies for fun. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I don't want to. I want to. We're bring... having fun here, James. I'm several years out of film school. I should. Are you having I should know fun? better. I'm always having fun, but who's to say you can't analyze the source of fun, you know, and and really deduce from a from a metaphysical perspective what it truly means to uh, not only have fun, I did. but for something to be I'm, I'm fun. It now you can't do that. In fact, where does it you even do seem to be? Let's consider these 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 ideas. Um, yeah, I know that's fair. I guess it's it's sort of the equivalent of like going to a nice restaurant and someone being like, "Oh, break down the flavor profile for me," you know, so. No, that's that's very. I, I I remember seeing. Um, it looks like it's a- animated by the same people who did uh, Spider Verse. Like, 
Is it Spider Verse? Yep. I was going to say Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, it's Sony Animations. It, like okay, are, okay. Yeah. Good for them. They've, I mean, they they kind of. Oh, let me double check, but I think it was like the same. There was a lot of people involved in between the two movies. Um, That's cool. As my goddamn Bluetooth earbuds are trying to eat my phone cord. So this didn't get this didn't get a wide release. No. Um, I'm pulling up the Wikipedia now so we can go on a wiki wander. Stealing that from Nadpod, but that's fine. Uh, they said it first. Um, was originally planned to be theat- released theatrically by Sony Pictures under the title Connected in 2020, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Sony sold the distribution rights to Netflix outside of China. Netflix retitled it to... Uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines and limited release in theaters before it's streaming a week later. Um, who? Phil Lord, Christopher, Mer- Christopher Miller both served as producers on it. That's what I'm thinking. That's it. Those are the guys. That's the yeah. one. Which have a combined Wikipedia page. It's so cute. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, I better click one of them to like check on one of them and it was like nope phil lord and christopher miller you get both both (laughs) it speaks of them as one unit our american filmmakers and voice actors they're the creators and co-stars of the adult animated sitcom clone high and the writers and directors of the animated films cloudy the chance of meatballs there you go james the lego movie as well as the directors of the live action comedy 21 jump street it's sequel 22 jump street Lord and Miller are best known for working on the Spider-Verse franchise. Dude, I think they're genuinely some of the best in the game right now. Like, they have a lock, a solid lock on <laughs> this family animated they're like comedy little stuff. Gray quick facts thing at the top of the Wikipedia page. It, Their alma mater is Dartmouth College, like... Occupations, mm-hmm. filmmakers, voice actors, years active 1998 to present, spouse... Robin Merglo. Mergio. Oh, they're both they're both shared. <laughs> but afterwards it has parentheses Miller close parentheses. Children to Miller. <laughs> they're such a That's... unit that it can't just like it has to differentiate by parentheses after who belong it belongs to. I love that. I'm trying to find Oh, I guess it won't give you what this thing gross cuz you said it was originally theatrical, but then it was... Uh, it switched to a limited release, and then yeah. Netflix a week later. Yeah, that's fair. Damn. Yeah. I don't know, I kind of like the title name, Connected. I think it's cute. I think the Mitchells versus the Machines works. It's fine. I want to see how much the Lego movie made. I bet this movie made a shit ton. It did. It got a sequel and a spinoff for Batman. Yeah, it made. It was the budget. It says between sixty and sixty-five million. The box office was four hundred sixty-eight million. So these boys know what they're doing. Um. So I'm assuming, John, you would recommend uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Then. Uh yeah, I would. I did. <laughs> Oh, I know. Ah, oh, dude, Clone High is so good. Clone High is so 
freaking funny. Have you watched the not, reboot yet, though? I have. I yeah, I have. I I'm not like it's not the worst thing in the world, but it is so far removed from what the original. Like it's so far removed from what the original was. Like it just oh, really? doesn't work. Yeah, I just it it's like trying to because the thing is is that the original movie is like um, and this is I think actually the problem. I think I've talked about this before, but like this is a problem with series that become uh, well-known and then either get reboots or go on too long. Like Flanderized. the people. Not yeah, like the, it's, I, the show itself becomes. It's more, I think it's more complicated than that. Cause it's not just something that's getting like more exaggerated as time goes on. It's basically like the style of writing takes a subtle, but very meaningful turn where like, originally with a show like clone high like those characters are written and they're kind of just like um they're characters but the focus of the show is a bit broader it's more on the jokes and the comedy there's a little bit more of like a grounded um sense like to the show like it's not just of its own kind of reality like it's still kind of connected in some way to like a larger sense of popular culture whereas like with something like the clone high reboot or even with like the Simpsons when it went on too long, South park, um, red versus blue archer, like all these shows that we kind of know. Yeah. Like they just slowly become their own world. And like it, like in the clone high reboot, it doesn't feel like the show is being written by people who are like writing a show. It feels like it's being written by people who are writing clone high. Like it, they're treating like Abe and Cleo and Joan as all these like characters who have a history, but they were never that. Like they were just, they're just, they were just vessels to spout one liners. Sort of, yeah, sort of. I mean, there's like humor in the voice performances and stuff like that. And the characters definitely have their own personalities, but it's kind of like Archer. Like a big draw of the show is the fact that it's, you know, like, in, in the initial seasons that it's like this early kind of style of humor. Um, it's actually very reminiscent of like red versus blue, where it's kind of like this off the cuff, like crude office humor, which is like fun to watch, but then it just slowly becomes more and more about the, the internal logic of the show and the mythology of the characters. And it just gets less interesting. Cause it's like, you can't relate to these people anymore. Cause they're not like, cool. Yeah, they're just kind of like they're all sealed inside this container of the show and you're you're still watching it but you feel very separate from it. So, yeah, I don't know. Um the in in short, uh I would not recommend the, the Clone Eye uh reboots. I I don't think it's the worst thing ever and I I do think there are some jokes that work. Um but overall it's just like completely misguided and it's like a perfect example of like why some people should not be writing television because they just took something and they were like, well, Damn. if I just pick up my, I pick up my dad's toys and play with them in the way that he did, like it's going to work. Right. It's like, no, it's not. Cause you're not the people who made the show and you never will be. Your dad so, had talent, you nerd. Yeah. I mean, basically yeah. that football. <laughs> not even yeah, make it sorry. 10 yards. Well, it's just like, it's like, I think the thing is too, is like, you have to observe the, the time that these things were made in like one of the reasons people have said you know the simpsons doesn't work anymore is because the, you know the original 
first season premiered in 1989. Uh, the, the show's highest peak was during the mid nineties, you know, having Homer, like, like worry about whether he's tweeted something offensive is like, so ridiculous, like so ridiculous and not in any comedic way. It just feels very against Homer like the ethos of the show. That. Well, it just it, like, I don't watch but, the Simpsons, but even I, you say the sentence Homer worried he, about something he tweeted that doesn't track with the character I have in my head. That's what I'm saying is like, there's like, I don't know if there's a plot line like that, but there's like character, like characters who are tweeting or they're talking about like cancel culture. They're doing all this shit, you know? And it's just like, no one wants to see that. Like this show, the thing that makes the show so great in the early seasons is especially as, as we've gotten removed, it's obviously the humor in the writing, but it's also like, wow, like, look at that time capsule of a period of American and even like world history. Like how great was it that it was like captured in this wonderfully like spirited, you know, art. And like when you just have it going on where it's like, yeah, you know, it'd be really funny though. It's like, if they all thought about what the internet was like, like that'd be really good. And it's the same thing with clone high. Like there's a whole episode. So James is saying that shows aren't allowed to do topical humor. I the yep. Simpsons survived on topical humor. Clone High was built on topical humor, but you're taking shows. They literally, literally defrosted Clone High after like 20 years of it being inactive. And like you can't take a show where like the predominant music, like the po- popular music when Clone High was around was like Blink 182 and Sun 41. <laughs> you can't take a show out of that period and throw it in a 2023 and be like, all right, now do jokes about, uh, do jokes about Twitter. You know, it's like, it doesn't work. Like, don't even fucking pretend. I'm frankly surprised they just continue on doing what they were doing of like, uh, yeah, we decided to defrost the clones, but we need to get them up to speed on the last 20 years. So we're going to do that real slowly. They have a joke where, like, Scudworth, like, the principal, like, he literally, like, straps them all to uh, chairs in the auditorium and they watch, like, a, like, Clockwork Orange-style short film of of all the updates uh, that have happened. And, like, yeah, and there are, like, new clones. Give me the slow drip. Yeah, there are new clones that get introduced. Like, a lot of the season is supposed to be them being, like, oh, my gosh, we've been away for so long. What's Twitter? What's, like... I know I keep going back to Twitter, but it's like, what's the internet? Like, what uh, what's new with culture? X, yeah. So now the show's out of date once more. But no, it's just, it's very, like, um, yeah. God, can you it's imagine just, that, you... though? Imagine, like, 20 years from now, and it's like a, similar to, like, Friends, somebody watches a TV show from the mid, late 2010s to early 2020s, and they're like, what's Twitter? Because it's just not around anymore. Yeah, it's just, like, not a thing. Yeah, it just won't matter. I'm like, I guess to be fair, you know, I don't know. um, There's parts of Clone High where it's, like, the original run of the show where it's very, like, contextual to the time period. Like, celebrities show up, like, Marilyn Manson or Tom Green. Like, celebrities who were really only popular back then for, for very brief moments of time. Um, but a lot of the jokes are still like gag driven. Like the Simpsons can still be funny, even if you don't understand, you know, the references, like the physical comedy or just the simple humor of it is like what carries it. And I don't think the original 
like the new version of like clone high like did not have that and like that's the stuff that will carry over you know because the person who's watching they're going to be like yeah i don't uh, what is twitter like i i don't i don't care but what they will laugh at what they will find enjoyable is if there are any like if there's just nice gags or good character-based humor like that is something that's universal and can translate um you know well uh that's a that's an odd note to end this episode on I mean, do we want to answer a question? We yeah, can answer a, one. Let's do a how to be a better buddy question. Right. How to be a better buddy where we give some real and some humorous advice. What are some behaviors you sometimes observe in other men that make you think this person is still emotionally immature? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying anytime they hold up a sign that says, I am emotionally immature. That, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's some self-awareness. Uh, it's that is but emotional it, immaturity. They uh, are and aren't until they do something. It could be yeah. that type of self-awareness that's like, I'm self-aware, but they still do it anyway. You know, and it's that real emotional maturity. Oh, it's that it's that emotional immaturity where it's like, I know I can be kind of a bitch sometimes. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Like, yeah, bro, I'm immature, but like, you know, it's funny, I know bro. it's I'm just immature. a fucking prank. It's just a yeah, prank, bro. Don't you get it? <laughs> Sorry, um, I killed your cat, bro. It was just a prank. I would, I would definitely say <laughs> them emotionally mature, dude. If somebody like walks out of a room because they get upset about something, this is gonna sound really bad. This is maybe gonna be like toxically masculine. But anyone getting so upset about something that they, like, cannot continue talking about it. And I don't mean, like, oh, they're, you know, we're, we're talking about, like, someone dying or we're talking about something very traumatic that has, like, happened to you. I mean, like, regular conversational stuff, like, where a conversation gets a little, a little excited or heated and, like, someone who just, like, shuts down from that. Like, I... I I usually, uh, I can respect it to a degree, but my, I believe it crosses over into emotional immaturity when that person also then demands like to, I don't know how to say this, like they want to have their, kind of like to have their point taken seriously. Like basically what they want is like, they don't know how to make their point. Um, they're not willing to learn how to do so. And every time they try they get like very frustrated and they kind of like blame other people around them so they basically say like i don't know how to do this and i'm not going to do it so you need to do it for me and i but i am going to be the one where it's like i'm going to be the one basically taking credit for it because it's still my idea and it's like okay well no it doesn't work that way like i i really can't handle I mean, maybe it's because I, I place a lot of value on, like, good conversation and people having those abilities. But, like, the people I find myself connecting with are usually able to, like, hold their own and make their own in a conversation. And if you can't or you don't want to, I don't think that's a mark against you. But then it's, like, then you have to kind of, like, know your limits. And if you get frustrated by that, then you either have to work on it and, like, improve it or you have to just kind of accept where you are. Um, and if you start making that people's problems, then I'm going to have personally a problem with you. 
Um, but yeah, that would be for me emotional immaturity. Noticed how I dodged James's question earlier of how I would critique the movie. <laughs> yeah, see, James and I are gonna have problems. <laughs> no, no, no. If someone's like, because John, like, an example of John being like, for in my opinion, my understanding, an example of John being like emotionally immature would instead of him being like, yeah, I don't really like. I don't know. I was just kind of watching the movie. You know, that's a very emotionally mature response to make. An an emotionally immature response would be like getting frustrated because somebody is asking you to do something that you may either not want to do or don't feel you can do. So instead of just being like honest and being like, it would have been if instead of me joking about we're just watching it for fun, like come on, we just talked about that. If I'd actually gotten angry about like I just watched it for fun yeah exactly it'd be like oh my god okay sorry you know and it's like who knows like sometimes uh you know a a lot of the times when a when a really strong emotion comes out from what i've heard like the the person or that that topic is not strong emotions i do feel strong emotions no but Um, what you've heard about strong emotions is from what i've from what I've heard about human emotional responses, which I've spent the good a good twenty six years studying as a cold reptile wait, in wait, human wait. skin, you guys get emotions. <laughs> what? Oh shit! Oh, oh shit, John. We don't want to tell you. Yeah, we. I've been getting no. emotions. And, Doctor uh, Fish. <laughs> I've been giving James little bits of emotion. Oh yeah, it's like a drug. Just microdosing some emotions. Hey, you, you say that. Doctor Who already did an episode on that, so. It's my favorite. Yeah, no. But I, th- that's that's my, that's my take on emotional, on immaturity. Um, what would you guys say? Um, I think for me it's a matter of, a little bit of a matter of, like, public awareness, right? Of the, like... Like, I, I talked earlier about the, like, it's just a prank, bro. It's that kind of shit where it's like, okay, you have no concept of your impact on the world around you and get hyper-defensive the minute anyone points it out to you. That you may have <laughs> negatively, uh, in- intentionally or on accident, negatively affected the world around you. Um... And again, we're not talking, like, just regular defensive, right? Everybody gets defensive. I'm talking that, like, hyper-defensive, like, the minute somebody points something out, they're all, they're on the attack about it. Um, I think the other thing for me, it's like, oh, that person has a lot of... That, that person's emotionally immature is the... You... I have, I have hurt you in some way, and you need to apologize to me for it. Um, actually, one that I think is a little bit more realistic and common is the not having awareness of how what you're about to say might hurt somebody else like you if there's an argument or something and in frustration like even if you're whether you're a part of it or not you in frustration say something but it's like okay you that was not the thing to say at this juncture like you would have been better just staying out of it and not getting involved, but you have chosen to interject yourself not with a solution, but with something that functionally, whether intended to or not, functionally tells everyone else you're not 
like you're a problem you're a problem or here's a solution that doesn't work or like isn't really a solution it just makes the problem stop because it removes everyone from the situation instead of like solving a problem that could be a solution (laughs) it could be it was one solution a while ago (laughs) Is the problem still happening? No. <laughs> no, I, it's, I think that's... It's that, it's that thing yeah. where it's like, if your friends... If some friends are arguing or something, and somebody's like, well, maybe we just shouldn't be... Maybe none of you should be friends anymore. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's not... As a third party saying that, that's that not your place to say. I can, I can definitely agree with that, yeah. It's just, at the very least, it's just not a helpful response. It's not helpful, it's not healthy, and no matter, it doesn't matter who you, like, especially not as, like, a party trying to mediate, you're just there, and throwing it out there, and it it becomes for both people, like, okay, so are you on my side or not? Or do you just not want to be friends with either of us now? Yeah. But you, John, what do you think? Uh... I don't know. I have much more uh, to say that you two haven't already covered. I definitely. I mean, everybody has things to work on. I know I do. Um, Fair enough. Cool. Well, thank you both for joining this week. Thank you for having us. Thank you, listeners, for participating in your mandatory hour of podcast listening for the week. Yes, thank you. We're happy to be sponsored by the state, even though it represents a horrific turn in uh, our modern timeline. And as per our state-mandated podcasting requirement, we will be back next week with AI guest George Washington. Yes, we will. Can't wait. Uh, Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. Our Twitter account, uh, sorry, X account is at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, questions you need advice on, or anything you really want to send us really. We'll read it live on air. Make sure to share the show around. Tell your friends. Help us boost those numbers and we'll get a Patreon going to do all our dumb, bad Patreon ideas. And last but not least, be a better buddy. Better buddy. (laughs) Uh, I'm your guest RJ this week with host John. Hi. Now what? Um, how to be a better buddy. <laughs> how do we do that? We're doing everything in the right order today, I swear. Uh, you know, just like, don't be a dick. Yeah. What if I already am? Well, that's fixable. How do I do that? Uh, just, uh, I don't know. Fortnite dance. Ah, oh, shit. Which one? <laughs> Learn the latest TikTok dance. The original one. The, the original? one that was came from the Scrubs episode. Oh, I gotta learn. Okay, I could do that one. 
Donald Faison. If you were about to ask me to floss, there was it wasn't happening. Gotta hit the gritty, Archie. <laughs>